world. Welcome to episode 39 of the Pink Bike Podcast. I'm usually your host, Mike Levy. It's the start of a brand new year on Pink Bike, and what better way to kick it off than to make a bunch of questionable predictions? So we took a stab at what 2021 is going to hold in an article that you could read on Pink Bike. I'm going to link it in this Pink Bike article as well. And today, myself, Mike Casimer, Brian Park, and retired mountain boarder James Smurthwaite are going to go over our lukewarm guesses about the coming year. But first, Brian, does a new year mean new you, or have you just like reached the pinnacle, the best you can be? There's no more room for improvement. Yeah, this is what peak performance looks like, guys. I thought so. <laughs> yeah. I thought so. Finely tuned machine. Yes. <laughs> we got to do something cliche before we get into our predictions. I want to know your resolutions. Brian, do you have one? Yeah, I do. I wrote some some boring ones like... I actually do need to to work on the old legs a little bit this year, and um, I do want to take a trip as, as soon as we as soon as we can as a family. I feel like we missed out a lot on that this year, and it was a bummer. So, as soon as we can, we're going somewhere cool or warm. Um, the no. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll ask Kate. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> She'll be thrilled. the The big one for me was I want to learn a bit more about manufacturing. So. I somehow convinced some the folks at Matter Hackers and the folks at Pocket NC, which are three D printer and uh, little desktop CNC manufacturers. They they're mountain bikers, and they each sent over a loaner unit. And I spent a, have spent a little bit of time learning, wrapping my brain around those things. So I've got a lot more to learn, and yeah. I am super super jealous. You, yeah. So for everybody listening, Brian's been sending me pictures of plastic things he's printing like he printed me a little shiba inu and he printed like a little uh headphone thing i don't i think it's pretty cool i think it's neat yeah it's very cool to like make a thing from your brain um so yeah i got lots to learn Le- did anybody want to guess in the comments what levy asks me to make every time i send him <laughs> on a photo just, just i think you should make it guess. too <laughs> Kaz agrees and i'm guessing all the pinkers out there agree as well <laughs> levy <laughs> James, do you have a um, resolution? Yeah, um, I am giving the vegan thing a go, and nice. that's four days in. I've just told about ten thousand people, so I guess I'm off to a good start there. <laughs> I heard that's what you do. Can I ask? Is that for? Let me know. You don't have to answer if this is personal. Is that like a health thing, or is that like an animal thing? What What's your motivation? Yeah, it's an animal thing. Like I've been vegetarian for years and years, um, and yeah, he goes bringing it up again, mentioning it again. He's a vegetarian. (laughs) Yeah, kind of got to the point you can't or I couldn't ignore like the milk industry or like how you get eggs and things like that. So for me, yeah, it's like a an an ethical thing, I guess. And um, let's see if it lasts the Taipei bike show. That'll be the big test. (laughs) Sweet sour chicken balls. Uh, Wait. Oh God, Taipei street food. Oh no, I was thinking about the Chinese food that over oh. there the other day. Hey, I, Kaz. Yes, I heard your resolution was to eat more animals to offset James's. Yeah, we got to balance it out. I'm just going to go on a strict hamburger diet. And yeah, no, no, not really. But don't uh, tell me I, yours was to ride more. Just don't. No, it's not to ride more. What did I say? I said I was going to learn how to ride a motorcycle because I don't know how to ride a motorcycle. I've only done scooters in Taiwan, so there's a uh, maybe I'll figure out how. There's a cheap TW up here. Up in Maple Ridge or something for sale uh, lady, right now. Lady driven. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's I feel a like a CR90 uh, or something, like even yes. tinier. Like. <laughs> <laughs> There's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I watched, so Carl, uh, one of the owners of Pink Bike, is 
uh, alert. How, how tall would you say he is? Eight foot. Like, yeah, eight, eight nine. nine? Twelve feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's like six three. Yeah, six three, six four, six, but also big. He's huge. And uh, he took my tiny little TW out for a spin when he, was get, he got his motorcycle license a few years ago. And it was the funniest thing I've seen. It looked like a bear on a, on a tricycle in a, at a circus. It was incredible. I did not know that Carl had his motorbike license. Yeah. Uh, he has, either he has the full one or he, he got the, the permit, the learner's permit and can, I don't know. He got something. I've owned three or four motorbikes over the years and Carl's more qualified than me and he never owned a motorbike. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was my resolution. I might do that. We'll see. It's not like super high on my list, but I needed to make a resolution. So. But maybe I'll meditate more or something. I'll get Zen this year. Just like You did shave your head. Yeah, so I'm ready for monkhood without the not as fun parts of monkhood. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that. James, <laughs> tell us about the news. Um, well, it's been pretty quiet, really. Um, the mountain bike world kind of shut down for Christmas and New Year. Um, so not too much to talk about. Um, the main thing is probably team moves. Um, end of the year means end of contract. Start of the year means start of contract. So... Um, quite a bit of that happened over the time um, we were away. Uh, the big one, probably Loris Verger announcing he's now on Trek. Um, that team is now the world champion, Reese Wilson. Loris, who just won two back-to-back World Cups. Um, Cade Edwards, who's doing his like free racer thing. Um, one of the fastest up-and-coming juniors in Ethan Shandro. And Charlie Harrison's still there as well. And let's not forget, he got a podium in Snowshoe. Um it was uh, it was interesting to see that Ethan's still taking a year off um, for post concussion symptoms. So hopefully Ethan starts to feel better. That's such a scary situation he's in. Yeah, definitely the right decision though. Like yeah. it's just not something you can mess around with. But um, yeah, I kind of venture to say this could be the most stacked team on the circuit. What do you guys think? Oh man, yeah, but definitely one of the most fun to watch. Like watching Alores, Kate Edwards. Just watching them ride down the trail, I'd, I'd be into that. Hopefully they do, well, I'm sure they will, but it'd be good to see a a syndicate-style video production following that team, too. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we, we kind of wondered about Santa Cruz starting a new um, XC team in time for the Olympics. Um, they've not quite done that, but they've injected some serious talent into this Italian sort of domestic team they had. That was Santa Cruz FSA. Um, it used to have kind of all Italian riders. They kind of raced World Cups, but didn't really kind of breach the top 20. Um, so it's now kind of shipped all but one of those members, and it's added Maxi Marot, Luca Bredo, and Martina Berta. What has Santa Cruz done for cross-country racers previously? I mean, not what have they done, but have they, have they had a team? Have they had a, a World Cup presence, James? Or is it more uh. of a national, smaller thing? I couldn't tell you going back kind of too far. I think this team was kind of their their biggest kind of step in that direction. Um, I mean, they don't really have like a, a kind of an up-to-date dedicated cross-country bike, you'd say. Um, do you think that's kind of something we might be able to see now, seeing as we're talking predictions today? Yeah, I think we kind of mentioned it before, right? The blur was due mm-hmm. for an update. So maybe we'd, it wouldn't surprise me if they made something just to kind of... They don't totally... Santa Cruz doesn't always correlate racing with or with uh bike launches or anything they don't have they don't have a massive enduro team and they launch the nomad and then or and the mega tower like they don't it's not that core coordinated always but um 
I would I think it's a good bet Nubler and I think it's a good move to to have some XC presence there. Um, speaking of Santa Cruz, they have also picked up Elliot Jackson and Vero Sandler, who I think are two really, really cool riders, and they definitely deserve um, backing from a big brand, so that's, that's really good to see. Um, last but not least, um, Sam Hill. <laughs> Trolling. Stepping back, master troll. Like, what's going on there? I think he got me, man. I think he got me. I we'll hope see. he got you. Well, it <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be the first time. It's... Uh, I mean, in in our defense, his post is pretty clear. It seems like a retirement, a stepping away, something, a finishing up with CRC nuke proof. But the post since lots of lots of am I a troll? Kind of, yeah. I hope. I mean, for the record, I hope he's. I hope he's uh, sticking around. That's a, it. Would be the end of an era. We've seen the racers over the last couple of years definitely have some fun with this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. haven't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have we been caught yeah. out a, have they caught us a couple of times yeah. before they What was us? it was it Ed, Ed, Ed Masters yeah, Ed last year. Yeah. Ed. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's we'll, find a, it, yeah. we'll find a nice way to re- repay them. So what do we think is actually happening here with Sam? Like do we think he's retiring? Chances are, or I don't think he's retiring. Having a bit of a laugh, I think. Probably yeah, not been racing for more than a year now, has he? So, <laughs> a bit bored. Somebody, let's, somebody let's pointed out the, the fire a bit. <laughs> somebody pointed out in the comments that it is beer o'clock. It was posted at beer o'clock in Australia, so <laughs> maybe he's just having a good time. He's drunk texting. And <laughs> <laughs> um, the other story I thought worth mentioning was the David Godziek video. Um, loads of world first in there. I think it's a first quad tail whip, first cash roll double bar spin, among others. Um, Pretty good stuff from a discipline that's apparently growing more irrelevant, Brian. Hey. Oh, you guys. <laughs> no, my comment, which we can talk about in a minute, is that less slopestyle competition means more videos like this. And that's what I predict. So it's this is helping my prediction. It came true in like a day then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Quad, tail whip is, yeah, quad tail whip is crazy. I don't even think I could pick a bike up and spin it around four times. Let's go to questions from readers now, because the first question is from... A reader is from Hellbelly, and it's about Taj. He wants a set of those tarot cards that Taj did for our prediction article that we're going to talk today. Have you guys seen those? With the yeah, Grim those Donut? Yeah, cool. those are amazing. Can we, though? Just, I think there's got to become a t-shirt or something. Well, t-shirts, yeah, a t-shirt for sure, but I think tarot cards would be neat. I'm just saying, we have t-shirt production. I don't have tarot card production, guys. <laughs> That's true. We'll look at... <laughs> Uh, yeah, let we'll me let me look into it. I'm into tarot yeah. cards now, so let me. We make I'll calendars. We can make tarot cards. Is that your thing now, Levy? Your tarot, tarot cards? cards. Is that your new aesthetic for the year? It's not an aesthetic. It's just like it's life. Yeah, it's just like about my spirit and stuff. Yeah. Nice a little incense burning and figure out what to ride by looking at the tarot cards. Yeah. Anyways, Hellbelly, I'm going to look into tarot cards for you because I think that's a pretty damn good idea. Next question is with dignity, if not. Alacrity. Something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprised to see nothing about Geotrans in 2021, he says. Maybe that in itself is a prediction. So do you guys think that Geo has settled down a bit and there seems to be less talk about it now than there was before? Like maybe less marketing? I think so. I, I mean, I do think we're going to still see everything that comes out is going to be a little slacker and longer, but I don't think we'll see the drastic changes we've seen over the last like three, four years um, because there are limits to what you can do. But I also think that every time you talk about geometry as a huge change, 
you basically have to admit that you were horribly wrong before. So I think it gets, there's only so many times you can go back to that well on the marketing side um, before people just kind of roll their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, most companies have updated their bikes, you know, to be what we call modern geometry. So it's where we go from here. It'll be interesting to see, but I don't think we're going to see grim donut numbers coming out on too many bikes. Well, (laughs) except for with the smart brand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) I said too many. There'll be some, of course, you know, the ones that, that have figured out the future, but (laughs) you guys think something, sorry, James, go ahead. It's also a bit of like a dull prediction, right? Like the same thing that's happened for the past four or five years is going to keep happening. Like that's bike why I thought Kaz would have it in there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you guys thought mine were dull. We'll get into these, but <laughs> Levy used words. I don't even think they're his words. I think he got a ghostwriter for some of his. <laughs> what? It was well written. It was well I know. I was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I feel attacked. <laughs> Moving on to Owen Sky 4. He says... Does Slopestyle really do poorly viewership-wise? I've been following for the past three years or so, but I look forward to each event and love watching them. So, Brian, as far as numbers go for those things, like when Crankworks, Whistler Crankworks, we go back to when it happened the last, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those are big numbers, aren't they, for Whistler Crankworks? So why don't we see more of these? And and the Slopestyle stories are definitely the most engaged with from Crankworks, for sure. I think that the most clear comparison would be uh, results reads on articles. So if you look at the live blog results from Crankworks Joyride, compared that to the live blog results from a world, like a regular downhill World Cup, um, the Joyride will do, the World Cup will do between like 150 and 200,000 reads. And the, and the, Joyride might do close to that, but Joyride only happens once a year. If it was happening with the regularity of a normal World Cup season, it would be way down. And so we don't, it's not that slopestyle numbers are down at the key events, at the biggest events. They're, they're fine and healthy and great, but it's the B-level events where there's just nothing. It's, it's the nothing and nobody cares about parking lot slopestyles. Um, and I, it's a shame because I, I think that the discipline's cool, and I there's so many super talented riders, but yeah, it, very very few people seem to be interested. And you know, on that on that topic, I should say, every time we run four cross stuff, four cross and dual slalom stuff, there's all of these people saying it's the future, we bring it back, etc. But the numbers don't seem to to indicate that people are not as interested in that format of racing than they are enduro racing downhill racing and cross-country racing so it's an interesting one so side question semi-related question when brandon semenek releases one of those videos one of those ridiculous videos for him and rupert make mm-hmm. how do those compare number wise to say crankworks whistler uh i just looked up last year's crankworks whistler numbers uh compared to a uh they'll do probably about the same a brandon video will do slightly better usually like on on average the the brandon video would do better than the red bull replay of all of crankworks whistler yeah or sorry of joy the joyride obviously yeah um so it's interesting so i'm i mean we can talk about it in my prediction stuff in a minute yeah 
Okay. Well, hopefully that answers your question there, Owen Skyle. I think I called him Owen Sky before. But Owen, Owen Skyle. <laughs> yeah. So it does, to recap, it does very well for the biggest parts of, for the biggest events and very poorly for anything off of that top level. Okay, and our last question, this is from the Loris Verge signing with Trek article, and it's from Rain Rob. He says, big change in components in bike. He's moving from his specialized demo to a Trek session and from Fox suspension to Rock Shock suspension on a session. Uh, Rain Rob says, hope he gets it figured out quick as he was on fire on the V10. I'm also sure you have a lot of input on the upcoming session. So that kind of got me thinking, I wonder how long it takes these top racers to really get used to this stuff, Brian. Do you do you think that they are, do you think someone like Loris is jumping on his new session and it's just like, okay, I'm good to go after a few runs or does hmm. this take time? I think it depends so much on the rider, um, so much on the rider. There are some riders who really don't want to be making changes with their setup, I think, Nobody will have nobody will have made a change without at that level without having tried the stuff, done some racing, you know, some timed laps, going like, is this workable? Can I get to where I need to on this thing? Um, you know, we've speculated about new bikes and things. It's kind of a weird one because if he's coming in now, depends on what level at how far along a bike is at this point. Who knows? Right. He he might be coming in just as something is already baked and done who knows and then it's like okay you got to get used to this bike and then in 12 months you got to get used to something else and you have no input i'm not sure um yeah. or they lure him in or not lure him in but kind of convince ha! him to come come over <laughs> with that like we have this coming try this bike and it's like okay i'll this works yeah, for me yeah so yeah we we'll see that happen too i think the reality is that everybody knows most of the top riders could are very fast on a shopping cart and it's just about can they be fairly comfortable and then it's a game of trying to just find the last little bit and that a lot of that's just gonna be mental too i think a good example of that that we see is gwyn as well he's switched he's been on a number of teams over the years and he moves and that first season at whatever team he's on, it seems to be like a learning year. Maybe, I don't know, getting comfortable. We, we need to have Gwyn on and like literally ask him, just ask him about this because we do bring it up fairly often. And then the second year on whatever team he's on, we see Gwyn just take off. So yeah, I've seen that narrative yeah. too. And I don't totally buy it. I think he's had some, in, some injuries have happened right in that, in those timelines and to kind of make that storyline appear more. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. not totally sure. I don't totally buy it. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I w I don't buy it either. Just because I don't think it should take these guys that long to get used to a bike. No. Like they're fa they're so crazy fast. I don't think it would take you a whole year to figure out a bike when you have a, a winter of off season testing. Like true, and it's your job. Yeah, yeah. I would I would agree with you. I do agree with you, Kaz. But I might. I guess my counterpoint would be that when you are past the edge, like these guys are, they are just like hanging on. You know, they're they're right at the ragged edge of this thing. And you know, when you're used to 450 mil chain stays over the last three years and now your bike has 430 mil chain stays and you're just you're going just as fast and i don't know i could see a difference for sure having to get used to stuff i wonder if there's some riders who there are just certain designs that wouldn't work for them like you know somebody's a whatever type of rider they need a super active they or a high pivot style bike where yeah i wonder if there's just some things that just would not be would not work 
All right, that's enough questions from readers. The more questions we answer, the bigger chance we have of saying something dumb. <laughs> Instead, let's move on to our predictions article because that's going to be a whole lot better, right, Brian? Well, yeah, we're definitely not going to say anything <laughs> dumb in our predictions. Definitely not. Kaz, I'm going to start with you. You didn't really take a whole lot of chances here. It's not like you stuck your neck out. The first thing you said, you said there's going to be a new Trek session. Yeah, I think there, I you, think there probably will be. For one tell, thing, also with why. predictions, I don't want to be wrong. So I, that's why Monster Mine are probably accurate. Yeah. I just don't make stuff up for like, what would be the point. It's a prediction. Boring. Come true. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Kaz, uh-huh. the, before we get into this, there was a reader that commented on about your prediction about a new session. Um, he basically implied that you have some knowledge of this bike, that you've seen it and so on and so forth. Um, can you Can you tell him or her why you think a new session is coming and explain why it's not secret knowledge? Yeah, I mean, basically, it's kind of the way that product cycles work. Uh, most companies update their models every three years, sometimes a little quicker, maybe every two years. But two to three years is reasonable to uh, imagine you'd see at least some sort of update. And the last time that session was updated was about three years ago. So, And when you look at the geometry compared to what the other bikes have been released more recently look like, it just seems like it's probably time for an update. They're signing all these new riders. Just That's kind of, uh, yeah, it doesn't take expert detective work to imagine something new is probably coming from them. So why do you think it's a high pivot, though? I just tossed that out there just because we're seeing so much hype around high pivot bikes and Common Saul has done well on that. <laughs> you just tossed um, it out there. Yeah. <laughs> he just tossed it out there to try and to try and avoid the fence-sitting accusations that we're throwing at him. Yeah, I made a prediction. I didn't, I don't, yeah, they're not, they're predictions. But, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, again, just to see that. We've seen so Back many companies up, experiment. Back it up. Why do you think seen, it's going to be high pivot? Because Common Saul's doing it and winning a lot. There we go. Yeah, that's so, good. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I wonder guess, how. You know, I wonder how the ABP thing would play with a high pivot. So I, I have, I have something to say here. I've been to Trek HQ, and they have a, a room full of bikes that have never seen the light of day, including a whole bunch of ABP equipped downhill bikes. And I want to say that Sorry, I've seen ABP a, equipped or, yep, active braking pivot. But uh, isn't their current bike an ABP? Yeah, that's bike? ABP too. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, the, ABP has sure. been around for, I mean, I, two, it sounded like you were about to say some like groundbreaking thing. It's like, <laughs> no, they no. make a downhill bike that has the same suspension system that they're currently using on their downhill bike. No, it, they have some ABP bikes in there. And I want to say that one of them was a high pivot prototype that never saw the light of day. And I mean, that was 10 years ago or something like that, or, you know, maybe not quite, but. So they've been working on it. Yeah. Well, they did have that Trek diesel, right? Well, that was a yep. pretty high pivot. Mm-hmm. It was like 2003. So they're not strangers to it. And, and yeah, I, yeah. We had uh, we had Travis Brown on uh, last last year on the podcast. And it's clear that they like to experiment and try weird things. So I'm sure they have played with high pivots and different things. Right. Hey, before we move on from the this uh, hypothetical high pivot session that's coming, can you just explain why high pivot seems to make so much sense for downhill bikes, Kaz. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with that, that rearward axle path. So these guys are going 10,000 miles an hour down the hill, hitting rocks and everything as hard as you possibly can. And that rearward axle path does let the wheel get out of the way quicker. Uh, whether that's faster or not, that's probably open to debate. I don't think a high pivot bike's magically going to put you on the top step of the podium, but it can allow you to just keep online and just track, um, you know, track through the super rough tracks easier make it more easy i guess to go faster so that seems why it'd be a good thing to worth looking into Mm -hmm. 
And Geo, you expect, like, should we just say longer, slacker, lower? Yeah, I'd imagine. <laughs> Maybe I, I not much thinking, lower, but like at least. <laughs> I was thinking it'd be 24, 26 combo for mm-hmm. mullet. And maybe a 67, 68 degree head tube angle. Oh, nice. Yeah. Front derailleur yeah. compatible, hopefully. Front, uh, yeah, well, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when you look at their, I think their size is large. Or no, maybe they're XL now. It's a 460 reach on their downhill oh, wow. bike. So, yeah. Um, yeah on downhill numbers, bikes, though, Kaz, that number is a little bit different than on like a trail bike that you're going to ride, right? Yeah, a little bit, but it doesn't really need to be, I don't think. Like you don't, I, I think they can be pretty similar to your trail bike reach and you'd be comfortable. Yeah. yeah, it it has been the case in the past, just because people are so afraid of super super long wheelbases. But I think that fear is going away. Yeah. I mean, now that we have trail bikes with the same head angle as a downhill bike, I think you could look at the wheelbase number overall and just kind of and find your comfortable spot that way. But, yeah. Trail bikes, sure. <laughs> oh, don't get Levy started, Kaz. <laughs> so, Kaz, do you think we're going to see more launches than normal this coming year? Just because last year was kind of a weird one. Uh, I think in the next couple months, we'll see more launches than normal. I w- I'm not sure what will happen later in the summer, but I do know there's a bunch of stuff kind of stacked up for the next, say, like the January, February time period where we wouldn't normally see too many things come out. Um, you're right. definitely going to see things hit the market that just got delayed for all the obvious reasons over the summer. Right. Okay, Cass, I'm going to go on to your next one. So you saw a prototype Saint derailleur at a World Cup race last year, and then you made the bold prediction that there's a new Saint group coming. Should I just start calling you nostradamus or yeah i should i just got my crystal balls just totally calibrated knows everything right. <laughs> <laughs> but again this is another one yeah obviously it doesn't take a genius to imagine that this would be happening but we did you know it's worth not everybody reads every article on pink bike so people might not have seen that prototype floating around um and again how many years has it been since saint was last updated it's been a, a really long time yeah, long, that long one time. did not follow my three-year rule, did it? No, no. <laughs> that's like, much. I'm, I don't even, yeah, it's been a while. But is it? I mean, it's a testament to how well that stuff works, too. So. Well, it, that's the question. Is it a testament to how well that stuff works, or is it a testament to how much more important those trail and XC demographics are to Shimano? That they just no, yeah, I mean, yeah, that too. I'm sure if you put the number of XT derailers versus the number oh, yeah. of Saint derailers sold, XT is crushing it. But yeah, um, yeah we'll see what happens with that. Kaz, you also said there's going to be more mullet bikes instead of 27.5-inch bikes. But, I mean, we did see a, a handful of new small-wheeled bikes this year from Ibis and Norco and who else? Didn't you have one in your field test, a new enduro bike with small wheels? Yeah, there's the Norco Shore. Um, yeah, we saw that you know, a 5010 came out. But some of these, I feel like, yeah, Nomad also. But I, I just don't think that that's going to be the path to go for too much longer in the future. Um, just, I mean, for one thing, if you can have the same fork on your 29 inch, you only have to order a bunch of 29 inch forks instead of having 27, five inch forks in stock. Um, and I think you can fit all riders on a, a mixed wheel size bike. Like you can, instead of before it used to be that, you know, 29 ers tended to be for the taller riders and then 27, five is for the kind of shorter riders that might not be able to fit a 29 inch wheel bike, but the mixed wheel bike, anyone can fit on right. that. I predict that a lot of the bikes that were 27.5 released this year in 27.5 will, before the end of their life cycle, as a their product cycle in the next three years, will get specced with a with a mullet as a as a way to update the bike a little bit, inject a little bit of life into them. Just the way you know brands used to go, like, okay, here's our new 130, 130 bike, and then a year later, it's like, here, it's now 130, 140 mil bike. 
Never mind that our Hedu angle was a little bit too steep when we first launched it. It's a little slacker now. <laughs> we fixed it. Yeah, with the mullet, a lot of times, yeah, you can toss a different link on there and then it works. Yeah. We've seen, you know, companies testing the waters. I think that Specialized has that status. That's mm-hmm. a mullet. You can get a mullet link for the Stump Jumper Evo. For the Evo, yeah. Um, yeah, and a lot of actually e bikes are coming out that it, they've been mullets for a while, just mm-hmm. for different reasons. But, you know, like the new bullet is a 29 inch front, 27.5 rear. So, yeah, I think we'll see things. So Kaz, that wraps it up for you. Kaz's predictions, a new high pivot Trek session downhill bike, a new Saint drivetrain, and more mullet bikes for 2021. Brian, let's move on to you. Your predictions, you're, they're definitely bigger picture than Casimir's. Uh, you're talking about stronger bike sales and new innovations, and you're obviously the positive one of the group here. Why do you see trail why do you see can't sales believe you're roasting has for obvious obvious choices uh predictions when i'm like oh the bike industry is going to do well in 21 it's like hmm weird <laughs> well who knows what's gonna happen i mean yeah i i, I don't know definitely the pen, the pent-up demand is pretty clear uh, the question is can can that demand be satisfied in a way that doesn't make people go ah fuck it i'll do something else i can't get a bike i'll do something else um yeah there's no way sales aren't going to stay strong through this year as it's just everybody's at capacity trying to do trying to do as much as they put as much product out the door as they can um you know when when there are three four hundred day lead times on things people are buying the things (laughs) currently in the pipeline so yeah that's not that's not a shocker i'm i think it'll do well this year as it satisfied demand i think the long-term picture from from coronavirus will be that individualist sports in general stay it, you know it's it, it'll come out as the thing that everybody could do and if we have another you know things clamp down a little bit again next fall um or there are more issues next fall people will keep keep riding bikes and keep wanting bikes i think that demand will stay there instead of their indoor racquetball clubs or whatever um sorry racquetball people <laughs> the What's the other one that the old folks play? Uh, Pickleball. Pickleball. That's the one. Yeah. Jill Kittner's way into it. If anybody wants to play, she's always up for game. (laughs) What is it? It's like, um, like easier tennis kind of, that's not, it's kind of the wrong way to describe it, but like a bigger racket and a softer ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You play in the tennis courts. It's pretty fun. It's fun. Yeah. Once we can (laughs) hang out again, leave it. We'll play pickleball. I will destroy you at pickleball. You might. (laughs) I'm not that good at like ball sports, but (laughs) Brian, you also talk about innovation mm-hmm. and you say that you expect some innovation to kind of come out of the woodwork at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so convinced with factories closing. Um, what do you mean factories closing? I mean, factories were closing down a lot last year. Do you mean and, for and demand or for COVID? For COVID. Yeah, yeah And yeah. if stuff isn't getting built. So the reason I think that there will see some innovation announced anyways at, towards the end of this year to the end of 21 is that right now so since a year ago pretty much everybody shifted all of their efforts to um satisfying demand so it's been production 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 what can we get out the door and how fast can we get it out the door uh you know how do we deal with these increased shipping charges because everything's being shipped now there's a huge huge uh pressure on the shipping industry etc but it's not like brands haven't been working on new stuff. So we saw quite a few things get delayed this year to from 
the fall 2020 to spring 21. We expect a whole bunch of new things to get launched this spring, but none of it that I know of is super wild. So I think that there will be some things that people were probably going to announce at Eurobike this year that everything got held off on production, etc. that by Eurobike time next year, they'll be ready to, to talk about. Um, with um, demand staying high and supply potentially staying low, um, do you think that means uh, increased bike prices as well? Uh, yeah, probably not just so much that as it costs a lot more now uh, with everybody's currencies kind of struggling against the, the NTD, against Taiwan, and shipping costs going way up. I don't think, I'm not sure that we'll see massively increased margins. I don't think bike brands are going like oh awesome more people coming into the sport let's add five points to our to our margin um yeah i think that's a i think that's a dangerous game probably some people will play that along the line somewhere you know bike shops are less likely to put bikes on closeout um when demand's high so i think you'll see it in that space or if your people are selling used bikes you'll see a lot less people willing to negotiate the prices but i don't so would you say, I guess you would tell people not to hold out for sale prices. Don't dilly-dally. Bikes probably aren't going on sale. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said in the, in the article, I don't think we see the word closeout um, really for, for mainstream bike stuff until 22. Does this, um, do you think this benefits brands across the board or does it play more into the hands of like the bigger brands or maybe even the, the smaller brands who can be a bit more flexible? Like, Who benefits the most from this? Uh, it's it's going to be hard for small brands in some ways and, and better for small brands in some ways. The, the hard thing will be getting factory space. Uh, I think somebody talked about this in the comments and I agreed with them that if you're a big brand right now, you're flexing as hard as you can to get as much production space as you, as you can. So like, give me that whole factory, give me that entire, you know, I want four production, uh, production lines in that factory. Um, so, the little guy who could only ever afford one production count, production line is getting squeezed out because the factory is going to go with the people that can give them a bigger chunk of business. Um, so that's going to be hard. There's a whole other podcast in that discussion, I yeah. feel like. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And sure. I was, yeah, another thing I ran into is component availability. So that's where the, some of the smaller companies might do all right. Like the, the manufacturers that typically just sell frame only, they'll just be able to keep selling those where some of these bigger companies are already struggling to find the basic parts to put their bikes together. So you might have the frames, but you have no cranks or fork or whatever. I think that it's an opportunity for some smaller component brands, um, especially ones that have a fairly reasonable production because, Oh, Hey, I can't, we can't get um, inexpensive drivetrains from either of the, in uh, either of the big two. Well, let's look at some alternative inexpensive drivetrains. I know that that's happening right now just because people can't get SRAM and Shimano drivetrains on the timeline they want. Yeah. I wish I invested in derailleur cables a while ago. I think <laughs> oh, that would have yeah, been right. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think there are opportunities for the little guys if they are fairly close to their production. Speaking of drivetrains, Brian, you also talk about a GX axis wireless drivetrain. You think it's going to come out this year? I think next year. I don't think 21. I think 22. It could. Yeah, it could be on that f gets announced fall 21 and I can still be, I can still be on. It can satisfy my innovation uh, <laughs> prediction and, and this one. Uh, I could be wrong. I've got a fairly poor track record <laughs> of, of 
predicting SRAM stuff, I thought they'd be dropping the uh, some suspension stuff this year that they didn't drop. Um, yeah, GX Axis, I think they have to. I think they have to answer back quickly. I, I don't think SRAM's going to let Shimano eat their lunch uh, on the low to middle uh, drivetrains as they are right now. So I think they, they're going to do stuff sooner than later. The question is, I mean, how inexpensive can they make that though? You know, like it's a, the least expensive, is it like $1,800 CAS for the X01 version? Yeah, it's not cheap either. But, I don't, yeah, it's but weird. nothing about that, nothing about that is, nothing about the stuff that they're putting in there from what I can see is particularly Correct. expensive, right? It's, it's development costs and yeah. R&D and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, and it's, and it's been done. They've sold Maybe. a lot of $2,000 drivetrains. Maybe. They have maybe, sold a lot of two thousand. Oh, they they definitely have, but maybe they haven't covered the costs yet. I don't know. Or maybe like, hey, one second. What about this? The big thing with me with that Dior drivetrain is it's so good that it's like, like if I'm Shimano, I'm like, well, maybe people won't buy my freaking XT and XTR drivetrain. So at the same time, like if there's a GX axis drivetrain, like obviously the cranks are going to weigh a, like a fucking shit ton but besides that <laughs> why, why would you say that because they they're going to be metal cranks. they're going to be metal they're not going to be that light does... carbon cranks you could still make light metal cranks they won't be that heavy Let's no but we're talking we're talking like a gx axis drivetrain as a whole do you like think the... that they will be heavier or lighter than slx cranks I mean, I don't, I'm terrible with all the, Casimir knows all the numbers. That's Casimir. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. How's that sound? <laughs> I have the GX cranks. I know they're heavy. Okay. The current ones. Yes. And they're just fine. Like they're not like too heavy, but they're, they're appropriate. But my point is, is that if there's a GX axis drivetrain, you don't think that's going to pillage the X01 axis? Cause GX axis ain't going to be cheap. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I think that there's, I don't think that they will do GX without also x01 the way it would normally work would be like yeah it'll go all the way down i mean i just don't see the point yeah i don't see the point either because right now you would just buy your x01 axis derailleur and shifter and then you would just buy gx everything else how much is how much is all the money i don't know yeah it's like a thousand dollars so what's the what's the what's the next step down from your full axis setup xx1 cable yeah, and how much does that cost? Lots of dollars. And I don't know. <laughs> like, I just don't see the point of trickling down something like so, that to the GX level. Like, what's the benefit? I don't know. Well, I, don't well, I mean, it. I I just think that they have to go for they have to do something to for NX, SX, NX, and GX. Um, but you think electronics like, the way to go? <laughs> yeah, I can make it better. Just I can give them some tips. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, I think I do think that they will they will at least bring axis tech down at least one level i th- i think it'd be cool if they brought it down too and i don't think that it's i honestly think that you can with their technology you can make a stronger better derailleur 100 possibly possibly for cheaper even like so, i yeah i would agree yeah. i've smashed the shit out of those axis derailleurs they're yeah. strong as hell they're incredibly like, strong like to me that would be a reason to consider to consider a a GX drivetrain. Okay, Kaz, XO one. Kaz, Kaz looks. He's like he's right now. He's like what? What? <laughs> Kaz, an XO one axis derailleur. It has a metal cage, not a carbon cage. Correct. Yes, carbon yeah. cage is on XX. the XX one axis derailleur. 
Everybody, you can see how much we prepare for these right now. Um, <laughs> how? Okay, so now you have the GX version, Brian. How are you going to make it even less expensive? I think that the tolerances for that thing. I think that like the pivots have to be a certain strength. I think it's got to be pretty beefy. I'm just wondering, like a GX access derailleur, like how are they going to save three hundred dollars or something on a on this derailleur? Just take the motor out and the battery. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> you could take that technology that you like about it, the little breakaway clutch and all that, and just don't have a motor and a battery in there, and maybe make some kind of new wow. looking derailleur that goes with that UDH. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know what? Uh, I have been wrong once Ram before. Did, this is not this is not unprecedented. I feel like so. we convinced him, Kaz. Yeah. Mm, so. No, no, I still think we get we bring we see access get dropped down. I don't I'm really confused about that patent that we saw from them about the puller, the cable puller, the electronic cable oh, puller. Yeah. Um I I could see the way that it made sense in my mind was like, okay, if they're trying to go wireless for everything across the board, and that's the cheap way to do it on on their on their lowest end drivetrains right now. Doesn't Archer make something like that already? Yeah, you should re- read that article, Levy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that could just be for like a commuter bike or something too. They yeah, just it could to cover their the commuter e bike. It also could just be for closing down. Yeah, you know, just patent trickery. I like I like that we just always assume everything's about mountain biking. That's fair. That's true. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on, us. Brian. Let's move on. Brian, you also say that Gwen is going to win and Slopestyle will continue to slide away into irrelevance. Uh, I wouldn't bet against you on either of those. Kaz? Uh, I, I don't think Gwen's going to be back at the point end. I mean, I think he'll do well, but I don't think he's, I think his, sorry, Gwen, you're a good guy, but I don't think his, his time of dominance, I think that's kind of passed. These young kids are so crazy fast now. Like, you know, have, you know, Ver- Vergier or any of them are, they're just, they're just going for it. I would never bet against Gwen. I don't disagree with that. I think that for sure the people have leveled up, but I also think that I think that the things that were holding him back the past few years are mostly sorted. And I think I think he'll have a good season for sure. I imagine he'll be hungry for it. It's been a yeah. I mean, he got one podium this year, didn't he? But compared to his like legacy, I guess like he must be hungry to to prove that he's still one of the best around. I say, yeah, it would be cool to see a Gwyn versus Minar battle. It's just them, and then the young kids can't keep up. That'd be sweet. Like, I'm into that. <laughs> what if they just traded wins all season long? Uh-huh. Aaron Gwyn and Greg Minar. It'd be so oh, good. man. Sam Hill retires from Enduro, comes back, wins a World Cup DH. Oh, that'd be, be so Greg good. <laughs> that'd be even oh, better. If, if that's what oh. Sam is doing, oh, I'd love to see it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Matt Regg's prediction. So Matt has been a race photographer for Pink Bike since forever, basically. He's in Europe. Uh, he's covered EWS races, World Cup racing, uh, everything and everything. And he came up with a couple predictions for us. Um, one of them was how the pandemic will be changing sponsorship deals. And racers, well... They're going to be more, they'll need to be more than just straight up racers these days, as it seems like there might be a bit less racing. Uh, Brian, what do you think of that? I think that the number, the way that my Instagram feed changed when when people first got locked down here was dramatic. All of our racer friends went from being regular cool racers on Instagram to being like... Posting pictures of baking bread. <laughs> Well, no, that part's fine. I like that part. It it was the like 
check out my new such and such sunglasses and shoes. It, they, they had to learn how to become influencers overnight. Some of them and, did better than others. <laughs> yeah. Some of it was really, really <laughs> painful. Um, but I think it's a good reminder. Everything is about selling product, right? And, yeah. and they had to find other ways to do it this year. And I think that that isn't, I think you can't put that cat back in the bag. Is that the right idiom? The cat yeah, sure. in the bag? Okay. Yeah. yeah. The it's cat hard to get cats in bags, everybody. Trust you me. Can't. They hate it. <laughs> James, you follow racing pretty closely. What do you think about this prediction? Yeah, I think it's, again, it's something that's been going on a number of years. Like any value you can bring is obviously great. Like Win Masters is the one I always go to, you know, like starting Wheelie Wednesdays. He's always done his Win TV back from when he was like a privateer, like more than 10 years ago. Um, and that's, I think, probably fair to say kept him in a job like he's um probably one of the most followed drivers on instagram and he's a great personality and that's all part of his package that he sells right if you're selling yourself on just being fast then you're leaving yourself pretty vulnerable be that like a serious injury takes you out god forbid or something like this happens or you just get slow that's why i try to be more well-rounded than Mm -hmm. just pure speed everybody (laughs) yeah you're a good influencer (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, it does make sense. You look at, you know, riders like Win Masters that have maintained their relevance longer than they probably would have if they were just yep. focused on racing. You know, There's like, more more to this thing than just winning. I got a question that for just for Mike Levy, oh God. not for the other two. Who won the World Cup downhill overall this year? Oh, uh, freaking, um, uh, you know. <laughs> no, 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 just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. It's no, not you're Loris. I can not, watch my hands, my hands are right here. You can see them. It's not It's not Loris Verge. It's uh, Loic. It's Loic Bruni. It is not Loic Bruni. It's somebody who has no social media presence or next to no social media presence. Greg? <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, you know what? There, There's just so many bikes, everybody. It's just bikes all the time. I can't watch my, my, every race. <laughs> my point, my point is that Somebody who you are, you're mentioning people that are much more established with social media presence in your brain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. James, you can, you can. Yes. Matt Walker. Yeah. Oh, who is fast as hell Mm. and incredible rider. I was cheering for you all season, Matt, (laughs) (laughs) but doesn't, he does not, you know, he, he feels like his job is to race. So, but if he had a, a positive like he could be making more money maybe if Mm -hmm. he did more stuff on social media we got to do a social media i hate social media i mean you can measure every single one of them by how many bikes do you think they sell right yeah so how many would he sell more bikes if people were more deeply invested in him because they felt like they knew him through social media of course but on the flip side would he be maybe if he focused on social media maybe he wouldn't be as fast as he is so like, at what point does it become a distraction? He's got to make that decision for himself. But and some of this can be brands can help their athletes by giving them, like, a little social media handler. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. all these people aren't putting up all these posts themselves a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know. like I think But some people are just really good at social. Yeah, totally. But, you know, if you have – if someone's helping them out, it, that can be what it takes, you know, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to – yeah, that stuff would be <laughs> annoying to deal with as a racer. <laughs> but I think Matt's prediction is, is spot on here. Yeah. yeah. There's no – there's no way that sponsorship doesn't change dramatically from this. 
So Matt's other spot on prediction, he predicted more e-bikes. So uh, we got to give him a Kaz award <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. he, he gets Notre Dame award. <laughs> yeah, he's making me about fence sitting and stuff. A Kazzy. <laughs> yeah. Kazzy, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so I made some predictions as well. I think you guys are going to... Yeah, your first one's sweet too. Wheels will still be round. Like that's <laughs> that was a joke. That's a joke, Kaz. You can't Kaz, really it's a joke. A joke. It's uh, these things where you say a really obvious thing to be funny. Uh, weird. It still looks like a really <laughs> obvious thing. Yeah. Well, my uh. my point though is that because there's going to be fewer bikes in bike shops, I think fewer mm-hmm. people will be buying new bikes. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more people will need to be happier than their bikes with their bikes than they've ever been. And I think bikes are so good now. They, I mean, as of like a couple of years ago, they've got pretty good. And I think we'll see more people being happy with that. And I think we'll see the buy and sell on fire as well. People buying bikes that are like a year or two old, but have proper geometry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, our, you can see the availability in bike shops struggling and the, the stats on pink bikes buy and sell just go. They're like so directly correlated. Yeah. It's crazy. It was the craziest summer. Um, you talked, Mike, about brands making more like cautious decisions in that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mean in terms of like the design of bikes they they produce, or or something else there? No, not really. I just think we'll see just just less, just fewer new bikes. Like you know, so and so might have been like this might have been the year that they would have done a new carbon something or other, and instead it's going to be two thousand twenty two or two thousand twenty three maybe. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, that's in contrast to that demand that you're talking about, Brian. So if the demand is there, why wouldn't, but then we get into that factory stuff that you mentioned and it's confusing. I think one of the real challenges for brands that they're thinking of right now is, okay, we're selling everything we can make. That's great. Oh, look, our nut, we're so in the black. That's great. But so is literally all of our competition. So how do we at the other end of this, cause it won't continue forever how do we set ourselves up for being better off at the other end if if i've grown five times in you know or i've grown by 50 percent in the last year cool but if all of my competitors have grown 80 percent, then i'm in a worse off position it's not as, a competition brian but it is yeah it is <laughs> it really is yeah and it's going to be tricky for companies yeah. that all of a sudden they sold out of their bikes they think they made something amazing but it really just ends up that they sold those bikes because there was nothing else available. Yeah. yeah. Like that's happening with a few brands out there. Yes. So it's, um, yeah. But Levy, your other prediction, you said something about onshore manufacturing will slowly grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll let you expand on that, but it yeah. makes sense. I, I mean, I don't think it's going to be like, Oh, we can't get any bikes from Asia. Everybody make their bikes in America. It just doesn't work like that. Oh, it's a like Brian. Brian got a desktop CNC manufacturing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to start me a bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we'll just see a bit more of that. Um, We saw it previously with Gorilla Gravity, and I think we're going to see it with one or two other well-known brands in 2021. Um, I think part of that is we're in the sort of climate now where people might appreciate a homegrown product even more than they might have a couple years ago. And we've always talked about that. You know, we talk about made in USA like it is better, even though it's... I mean, that doesn't mean it's better. Um, but now, currently, if, with world events and stuff, I think some people might search out some homegrown stuff more. I think I'm going to make some people mad now. But yeah. I think that the the chances of manufacturing disruption in 
in Taiwan uh, and China are going to be much lower than the chances of manufacturing disruption in the USA in 21. So I don't, I think that growing onshore manufacturing will be a, I think that that's going to happen as a trend in the, in the long run. Um, I, I'm really excited about, I mean, you guys have heard me talk a million times about the, you know, just in time stuff or being able to, to manufacture through, through IP, the, through intellectual property rather than through shipping a bunch of tubes all over the world a bunch. Um, so I think that's a long-term trend, but I don't see 21 being a massive boon to small onshore manufacturing. Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, it was impressive how quickly Taiwan was able to get their factories back up and running. Like they were going before anything really happened in the rest of the world. So, but, but yeah, I, I do think this probably will make some companies think about their sources and supply chains and stuff. I, I think one thing that we could take from this is that factory or companies will put a lot more effort into owning their manufacturing um, whether it's in Taiwan or otherwise, um, a couple of bike brands obviously own own their own own facilities in Taiwan and in China. Who uh, I Who, think uh, Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz bought their bought their facility. Sure. Um, and obviously, Giant and <laughs> I think Specialized owns parts of some of theirs. Although they're all over the place, they're just yeah too big to own the whole, everything under one roof. Um, but I think everybody's gonna go a little bit more like hmm okay well maybe i maybe we need to buy that factory rather than just always get our bikes made there pay for those production lines yeah moving on i guess and leaving to go the counterpoint of uh of brian's thing about derailers you think shimano's got something else in the works some wireless electronic stuff i certainly hope it's wireless so di2 how old is di2 now when did it come out Cass? long time ago 1986 something like that i can't remember yeah. <laughs> it feels like a long time so ago. <laughs> when axis was released di2 had been out for i think five years someone tell me i'm wrong in the comments but i think five years and it's wired and i mean comparing the two it's not obviously it's not a fair comparison um shimano is very likely working on a new di2 and i we you and i have both installed that's those cables and we both had nervous breakdowns and gotten very imagine, upset about it <laughs> imagine installing from scratch a di2 system with a live valve system oh. just on, it on a, a giant trans x that doesn't have tube and tube cable no guarding. tube and tube yeah <laughs> yeah no no thank you <laughs> i i predict you taping a bunch of wires yeah. to the outside of the frame <laughs> definitely well, it's <laughs> external cable routing for sure on that bike <laughs> i used to zip tie the di2 battery to the bottle cage on my Rocky Mountain when I had DI. Anyways, <laughs> never mind. Didn't, didn't Cogger design that thing to have a little DI2 mount? Yeah, was it but my, to be in the- yeah, my frame was a prototype and the hole for the DI2 battery wasn't big enough to get the DI2 uh, battery in. Perfect. <laughs> Damn it. It was like SWAT, except not. It's like half SWAT. But anyways, not. new DI2, uh, hopefully it'll be wireless. But if it's not wireless... I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't, to be honest. If it's not wireless, I think Shimano will come up with a much better packaging solution um, that will make setup very easy. I wouldn't be surprised if it went that way. Um, The other thing, entry-level SRAM stuff, I mean, I don't think we need to see it again, but we're going to see some new SRAM stuff that's better. I think so. I think they have to answer back. They will. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, SRAM, this is how it works. Like someone makes something and then it's better. And then the next year somebody makes something that's more better. <laughs> it's just I, was, it <laughs> I was just talking with somebody 
um, at a at a drivetrain manufacturer and Microsoft? talking about how <laughs> I'm not going to say <laughs> I'm not going to burn anybody, but just talking about how TRP. I think we're in such a great place right now with the balance of SRAM and Shimano because without SRAM having without SRAM having innovated on front derailleur like nuking the front derailleur and things and and pushing on that side shimano would have spent the last eight years making the world's greatest front derailleur we'd have four front chain rings now they would be so good though. they'd be so good can i just front derailleurs would be incredible this is just a quick side note so i set up my partner and my zwift bike a couple days ago and they both have front derailleurs on them like (laughs) Like, I haven't set up a front derailleur for, like, <laughs> literally over a decade, people. And hers had a the SRAM yaw front derailleur that you set up at, like, an angle. And, it like, as it goes through his travel, it rotates. Anyways, it wasn't a pretty... <laughs> we said, I, I'm like, there you go, honey. Like, your bike's ready to go. Let's, like, do this Zwift thing. We get up and it's just, like, chains everywhere. Things smashing. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, so, you know, I think... SRAM has been really good for Shimano. I think Shimano has been really good for SRAM. So I'm, I'm excited that Shimano's got where they're at now with their entry and mid-level drivetrains. And I'm excited to see how SRAM answers back. That's a good thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I said you had a lead. You, had, you said Minar is going to keep winning. Yeah. Just another I, bold prediction there. I think, well, I think it is a pretty bold prediction. I mean, those, you said yourself, those young guys, he, he won last year. So I guess it's not that bold. Has he yeah. won every yeah. year since he... I don't think he has. Yeah. Anyways, I predict he's going to win his 23 World Cup and he's going to morph into an actual goat. He's just going to be the <laughs> just goat. Just with horns. And, yeah. we, need to, we need to get him on the podcast. We're going to have some guests yeah. on the podcast this year, everybody. So whoever you want to see, put them down in the comments below. Hopefully we'll get Greg and some other racers on there as well. Uh, guys, do you guys know what I'm not looking forward to? The podcast that we do a year from now where we talk about all these predictions that none of them panned out. <laughs> so besides, do you think podcasts still exist in that post-apocalyptic wasteland? People I think tuning it's how in we on communicate. Their, yeah. On their AM radios no, no, or their CB radios. Yeah. I bought well, some of those. Like, what did I buy? I got something off the internet. You're like not supposed to. I bought a ham radio. You bought a ham radio? Oh, dope. Yeah. But I can't figure figure out how to get licensed because of the corona. Do you need a license? Time. Yeah, you mm, do. Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> kind of. To drive a radio, you need a license. Not to yeah. drive it. I need to operate it. Yeah, because you can. You're operating on a frequency that's like governed by there's rules. There's we rules. definitely didn't test them and, and see how far they work. Because yeah. oh. because we can talk. I, I have yeah. a license. You guys, <laughs> you guys can are we share? dorks. Yes, <laughs> you guys are dorks. They're okay. cheap. They're like $25 on Amazon. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to wrap this up with Comment Gold. And this one was on my best of article. I think I had the the Grim Donut on there and a bunch of other products that stood out to me personally over the year. One of those products was the Hans Dampf, the tire. And Ultron 5000, he says, he comments, when measuring the tire pressure on his Hans Dampf, Levy, distracted by an F1 podcast, slipped on a misplaced sunglasses arm and fell through the front fork of his SCW, the structure, buckling his weak revolve front wheel with his entire upper body becoming trapped in the front suspension linkage. He realized quickly that he was in danger of a third-degree nipple chafing, so he reached for the saddlebag on his road, sorry, gravel bike. He grabbed his faithful chamois cream and slathered it all over his torso. He was able to wriggle free, but as he writhed, he kicked the Grim Donut off its workstand. It fell on its head, which was protected only by the Smith helmet. 
So those were all products for my best of article. He didn't say what happened to me when the Grim Donut yeah, fell he did. on you me. You just scroll down, scroll down the page. Oh, he did. There's more. The last thing he saw as he blacked out was his mini slowly rusting in the corner of his garage as all minis must. He's actually 100% right. It is rusting in the garage right now. The car seemed to laugh at him for his childish belief in per- per- permanence. <laughs> <laughs> permanence. All will decay. All will perish, it seemed to say. Oh. That guy knows you so well. Oh. That's like, yeah, I could picture that happening. <laughs> the the mini is rusting in the corner right now, and I think about it about every 20, minute, 20 minutes and feel terrible about it. Uh, this guy, yeah, this is some excellent writing. He knows me Ultron well. 5000, get at mm-hmm. me. He sounds, like, he sounds like somebody that I hang out with. Jeez. Yeah, he's been hanging out in your garage. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple more on the predictions article. Oh, this one's from Mike Casimer. Yeah. Oops, I forgot to add an important one. I predict I crush you during our Mike vs. Mike Enduro race this summer. Yeah, it's my yep. prediction. Yep. Wow. Giving Kaz I, his own gold. I wanted to talk about this a little bit, just for a minute, actually, because I think we should do a mountain bike race, not an enduro race. <laughs> oh, enduro somebody's racing backing out already. Are you scared now? Yeah, you no, said I'm that not. you could enduro. Race. I'll do in the enduro race as well. But yeah. I think a stipulation for that, that we should do a mountain bike race. A mountain bike race, they time you up the hills and down the hills, not just that's up the called hills. called cross-country. No, that's a mountain bike race. Yeah, the format's called cross-country racing. It's been okay, existing for a long time. you call it whatever you want. But yeah, yeah. I just, I want to do that as well as enduro with you. Cause I th- I yeah, I'll race like the NXT race with you, too. Yeah, I've done it before, but I'd rather race enduro. It's more fun to me these No, days. guys, guys. It sounds like way too much work. We can just race each other all summer and not can do much other work. we have the summer work. off, Brian? Casimir <laughs> yeah, and I have some things to do. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be busy. You, you can do, you can do a, an XC race, an enduro race, but only if you also do a slope style event. Okay. <laughs> I, can, I can out dead sailor leave you any day. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I got one-handers on lock. Yeah, that's true. Kaz has got me on the jumps right now, but I, could, I got a sick jump park here. I'll work on it. Yeah. Oh, oh we should make it on a your gravel bike. Style. Yeah. <laughs> speed and style. Okay. Gravel bike speed and style. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's stick with the Enduro plan. It's going to be more yes. fun. All right. Lips. We're going to wrap episode 39 up with one last comment gold. This one is from probably DDoc, is how I'm going to pronounce that. Mm-hmm. He says, I predict another year of dudes bitching about e bikes while they ride the chairlift. And DDoc, you're probably right. All right, everybody. That's it for episode number 39. Stay tuned for episode 40. We're going to talk about everybody's favorite subject, the Pink Bike Awards. I can't wait. Kaz, are you excited? I'm so excited. You can tell by my voice. (laughs) All right, everybody. We'll talk then. (laughs) 